the best ROI is organic traffic, right? Like when you have a Facebook business, it's just like a contract. Facebook has you over a barrel. And at any time they say, meh, we're tired of, you know, how you're running your stuff. And they can shut you down. You lose everything. Like I lost business ad managers and ad accounts and all the different stuff and just like shut out and had to make a whole new profile. And like when you don't own your business, right? Like you are at the mercy of the powers that you're using. And organic traffic is the best way to overcome that. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. Hey, everybody, it's Scott, and today I have with me Stephen Lentz. He went from cutting kids out of cars and picking grandma off the floor to helping businesses get on the first page of Google. And if you own a business, you know that is incredibly, incredibly desirable. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How are you, man? Man, Scott, thank you so much for having me. I, I know we talked a little bit before, but I escaped my workroom since the family's out, and I've got the, the fire behind me. I just missing the leather chair, and I'll, you know, I'm set. Got that TV persona. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I have to tell you, I am a little jealous. I love the sets where uh, there is this one guy that's really, really got high ratings on his podcast, and he's like literally got that's his like, for real background. <laughs> like, it's fire and scotch and a cigar, and you know, and he just looks so sophisticated. Yeah, so like but, a couple ferns. Yeah. Uh, you know, the room smells like books, and you're like, ah, yeah, paper and yeah, ink. Yeah. <laughs> You, that makes me laugh. Have you ever seen Between the Ferns? I have, from Between the I've Ferns? seen a couple. I've seen like the Barack Obama one, and there's he's Zach is good. He's <laughs> he's really good. I've, the Hillary Clinton one where he talks about pantsuits. Oh my gosh, there's so many funny ones in that. He's really good. So of course you say Between the Ferns, and we go south really fast. But uh, but man, a, a, a background in firefighting uh, to you know, getting people on the first page of Google, that's a, that's a pretty stinking big transition. So longer than 10 years ago, I started to get, try to be a firefighter and it's tough. Like in Washington state, 1% of people who try get in, like I slept on a sidewalk literally for an application one time. I didn't get in with that department, but that was like the lengths I was going to get the job. I moved just to volunteer. And I got in with that department. I was volunteered for a year and a half and then got on with them. And a year and a half in, they ran out of money and me and another guy had to get let go. I don't know, it's another department two months later. And again, a year and a half in, I was back out. I was like, this is crazy. Like the pseudo government job that's supposed to give me security, you know, pension, this is unheard of. And it's not common, but that was my reality. And I lost all confidence, if you will, right? Sense of security of the system, right? And being like, this is broken. It's failing me. I need to take control of it. So I did everything I could think of at that point, right? I went in as a single guy and now I have a wife and a kid. I'm like, I can play the victim or I can take responsibility and take action. And I'm not playing a victim. So I sold Kirby vacuums door to door for a hot minute, life insurance over the phone, fix and flip real estate. Like I did all these different things, hustling and grinding that I'd start a bunch of businesses and watch them all fail. And I was like, I suck at marketing. Like that's, <laughs> don't use that as a soundbite. But like, I was like, I really suck at this. Like I need to get better because 
every business will fail if I can't get eyeballs on it. Right? Like I can open the best deli in the world, but if it's in the middle of the desert, no one's going to find me. And so then I got deep in the marketing hole and I took every class and every course and every product from anyone who sold anything about marketing. I've spent more than I can <laughs> want to think of my own education. Right. And I just got into that and I was like, I need to learn everything I can to get good at this and understand it. And fast forward a few years and the fire department calls me back and they said, Hey, we have money again. Do you want to come back? And I was like, well, of course. Like, just like you said, like, I love cutting kids out of cars and picking grandma up off the floor. Like, why wouldn't I come back? And so I get back in and I'm doing this and I love it. Like I love helping people. That's why I went into the fire service to begin with, but more research is coming out and new studies. And turns out that firefighters don't live long after retirement. Like the average is five, 10 years and they die from five types of cancer, heart disease, or their diabetes and all this other complications that come with a very unhealthy job. And I was like, you know, my values have changed from single guy to now father with two kids. And I was like, I want to be a grandpa and great grandpa and like legacy and these things that I'm looking at. And I was like, well, I need to work myself out of this. And so I was like, well, how do I do that? And I was like, well, what do I know? And I was like, oh, I know marketing. And so then I started slowly setting up the stage to work my way out of the job. It snuck up faster than I wasn't planning. Right? COVID came through. I got COVID. And spoiler, I survived. Right? Here I am. But yeah, right? Like, whoa, he's still here. He's not a ghost. But through that, right, I got better, obviously. And then they said, hey, this thing called the vaccine came out and you have to have it to keep your job. And I was like, well, natural immunity already surpasses the gold standard of the vaccine. Like, I don't think I need to have it. Like, I'm already going into COVID houses. I'm not getting in. I'm not spreading it. Like, I'm in the thick of it and I'm healthy. Why should I take this? I'm like, well, you have to. It's like, mm. I said, well, it's your principles, your job. And yeah, so I consider myself a principled asshole. And so I said, well, I'm going to choose my principles. And so I was terminated for not taking the vaccine. And I, be I believe in let people make their choices, right? Like you had took the vaccine, good for you. Like I'm not going to, you know, nail you on a cross for that or anything. But I think everyone should have their ability to make an informed decision about their body. Right? So chose my principles and uh, was terminated last year, January 30th. So it's been a year and I'm just about a full year now of uh, not being a firefighter, but it's not like I didn't have a safety net, right? Like that was part of it too. Like walking away from a paycheck is di very difficult, especially when you have a family to support, but knowing that like I've been working on this and had some clients and I didn't work on it as hard as I could have while I was in it because of that mental safety net, right? Like there's that thing of being like, when you don't have a plan B, you work way harder on plan A. <laughs> and so that's uh, how it's been. And so went full time into my helping businesses get on the first page of Google and it's going really well. And that is the quick story for you. The point that I really liked is like, you, you have your principles, like you, there's a belief and it says a lot about character and as business owners, now that you are a business owner, you're small, but you're an individual solopreneur probably is everything lives and dies on your core values. And if you don't have those defined, you're going to find yourself swimming in a sea of who knows what doing things that you never thought you should do. So I think like th that, you know, like planning your flag in your belief system and then not giving in for the sake of a dollar uh, will reward you a hundredfold over time. Sure. It's, and boy, but it sucked at the moment, I'm sure. Absolutely. But yeah, having your principles also goes into being intentional for me. 
like I believe very strongly about being intentional. And so that's one of the reasons I don't have contracts with my clients. I know that in the digital marketing space, having a contract is very common. And I've been in lots of spaces where it's like, I can't afford this. Like you've locked me into this contract and then, you know, you promised me this thing and it's not working out. Like you should let me go. And they're like, well, we're going to you know hold you over this barrel and try to squeeze money from you. And my belief is that people work with me because they like me. They like the results they get and they don't have to. And like they have the free choice to be like, this works for me. This is great. And I like it. And my clients stay with me because I get good results for them. Not because I don't know. I have them over a barrel. So that's Yeah. I've gotten chastised for not having contracts. Like people are like, well, your, your, your business isn't a value. If you don't have contracts, you'll never be able to sell it. And my, I'm, I always say, well, why would I want somebody stuck to me when they're unhappy? That's going to do so much more harm to my business than it is to help it. Even if they're super happy, but they can't afford it. That's not doing anybody any good. I just actually had to, I was actually in this position with somebody I was um, using and it's really, really hard to come to someone and say, Hey, look, I'm not in a position right now to continue on with the services. And well, you signed a year agreement, uh, you know, and the, the other part of me is like, well, I'm going to honor my decisions as well, but I don't like if there's a s- situation that I don't like being put in, I'm going to work really hard not to put other people in it. Yeah. So I love that about no, you. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I just had a client, right? And I'm very upfront, very open about, you know, the process and how it takes and organic content takes six, you have to give it six to eight months to really see results. And three months in this client was like, Hey, uh, you know, we haven't seen results yet. And it's like, I know, like we've, we've talked about this like six, eight months. Like, well, we ran out of money and you know, we can't afford this. It's like, I totally get it. Right. Like happy to cancel for you. And you know, in the future, as prices raise, like if you want to come back, I'll grandfather you in where you were. You know, I hope I hope that your business comes back and that you do well. But again, like I've been that small business owner and that you know person in that position. I don't want that. I don't want to do that to someone else, right? Like you see the hazing that happens with people, and like it's the cycle, and someone has to break that cycle and be like, "We're done. We're done with this toxic practice." So yeah, yeah. yeah. How was the transition from, you know, working a government job, which obviously wasn't, you know, all that everyone says it is, you're always going to have a paycheck. I always laugh at that, by the way. Like when someone says, oh, you work on your own, how do you know you're ever going to have a paycheck? I'm like, I know if I'm going to get fired because I'm the one that's going to fire myself. Like there's going to be hard months. Heck yeah. But my fate isn't on somebody else. And so... Uh, how was that transition for you, though? I mean, it was forced, but how was it? Yeah, honestly, the hardest part is being home with the kids. <laughs> I know how that sounds, right? Let me rephrase that. When I was with the fire department, when I was gone, I was all the way gone. And when I was home, I was all the way home. And so it was, Daddy's gone. That's fine, right? Like, we'll do a FaceTime call, or maybe they'll come to the station and visit for, you know, 30, 40 minutes if I have some time. And then, you know, if I don't get a call while we're there. And then when I'm home, like it's daddy jungle gym and I play with the kids and, you know, nothing follows me home from work other than my own PTSD from seeing, you know, awful things. But now that I'm home working from home, like I'm not always available. And so that transition for the kids has been the hard part. Like I want to be there and be present and play the games and do all the things. It's like, sorry guys, like I have to go work. <laughs> and so that yeah, transition is, never ends. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the hard transition is home, but not available. Yeah. You just mentioned something. It was new to me. I just learned about this, I think, three weeks ago. It never occurred to me that firefighters would have PTSD. But the person that was telling me is like, yeah, 
you see dead people, you see suicides, you see car accidents that are just atrocious, you see death over and over and over again. It's incredibly traumatic. That That's a whole new thing to my world as well. Yeah. I mean, not to like dive super far down that rabbit hole, but I mean, there's definitely things that I can't unsee. But I think one of the harder things is when you have calls with kids, right? especially when you have kids and that you have that emotional transference of like seeing your kid. It's just like, oh, and I can already see like three different times. I was just like, oh, like one time I like cried and had to go home, like just awful stuff. Just, I mean, there's things that we do that break you. And honestly, like finding the dead body wasn't that bad. I don't, I didn't mind that so much as some of the other stuff, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's a real deal. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Just side note. It wasn't necessarily important to the call, but it was, it was a new thing for me. And I don't know how many people are like me that don't know that. I'm like, I I just never even thought of like the atrocities that you come upon. And that was the other thing that um, the person I was talking to said that was the hardest was kids and teens seeing the horrible things uh, in multiple circumstances, a lot of it was like suicide, car accidents, and then other events. And it was, he said, it, it, it's not easy to come back from. It's, so. it's hard. I mean, you don't register it sometimes in the moment, unless it's like really awful, like baby on the floor and just like, dear God. But like cutting the kids out of cars and stuff, like you'll revisit that, you know, a week later or something be like, oh, that's, you know, it really gets me somehow somewhere inside of me and just like tears at you a little bit. But. Now you're just dealing with, the trauma of being a business owner and someone canceling. <laughs> it's very different. It's, it's no joke, man. It's true. It's pretty serious. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely you're like, oh, man, like I know this guy's not happy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have an email any day now being like, we need to talk. Like, I hate that conversation. But yeah, you know, luckily it doesn't happen very that, often. It's <laughs> that's good. I'm glad to hear that. The one time it happened, I know. The one time it's happened for you. <laughs> I, I think most business owners have that, that that have a higher higher dollar offer, you know, less less clients. It's like a never ending fear. You're you're just like, man, if I lose two more, I'm stupid. I do the math. If I lose two more, I'm gonna have to, you know, either cut that person to part time or, you know, and it affects people. It affects people directly. And it's hey, it's hey, like, we're getting a fourth I mortgage. <laughs> yeah, it's. Isn't that, that's small business ownership for yourself. We all, we all, we're all put at risk to, to save jobs for other people too. I mean, I've been through that boat so many times. So here you are, you're doing marketing. How did you go from like just marketing in general to getting a great spot on Google? Yeah. So, I mean, I've done, like I said, like I took every marketing thing I could think of from different ways of affiliate marketing, like Facebook ads and email, everything, like you name it, paid ads, all the stuff. And I was like, the best ROI is organic traffic, right? Like when you have a Facebook business, it's just like a contract. Facebook has you over a barrel. And at any time they say, nah, we're tired of, you know, how you're running your stuff. And they can shut you down. You lose everything. Like I lost business ad managers and ad accounts and all the different stuff and just like shut out and had to make a whole new profile. And like when you don't own your business, like you are at the mercy of the powers that you're using and organic traffic is the best way to overcome that bar none even with google ads like google can still be like "Mm, we're tired of that but we're going to go into like google philosophy here because this is i think like the exciting part of why organic traffic is important and kind of how people view it because 
people don't really understand why we trust Google. Okay, so we'll go back to the dawn of time, according to teenagers, to when Google first came out. And when you type in Google, and I just example all the time, so if you've heard me before on someone else's podcast, I'm sorry, but you say, hey, Google, how many bugs are in Africa? Right? Google would come up and be like, here's five websites that will tell you how many bugs are in Africa. Right? Just here's the information you're looking for. And through the dawn of advent of social media and understanding that data is more important than anything else for these companies, and that's where they're getting their money, Google said, ooh, I can keep people on Google and answer their questions. That's even better for me. Right? So you probably notice that now there's a thing called a zero click. And that's where about 50% of traffic goes to Google, types in their question, hey, Google, tell me X. And Google will tell you. And they don't click on a th third-party website anymore. Google's answered it. Right? This is a zero click. You don't go anywhere. You stay on Google. But you also notice that aside from answering your question, Google asks you more things you might be considering. Hey, Google, when did the queen die? Oh, she died this day, this time, this place. Do you want to know where Princess Diana lived? Do you want to know how old Prince Henry is? Do you want to, like, there's all those drop-downs, right? Google's trying to keep you there. Aside from that, their very first priority is still to give you the best value possible organically, right? That very first link, because Google thinks that, and they know, if they don't provide you the right value, you will go to someone else to get it. You go to DuckDuckGo or Bing or whoever else has a search engine that is competing with them because you're not getting what you want, right? So Google knows they want to give you the best value. They want to answer your question, but they're still trying to give you the best answer first. And so we have this inherent Google trust bias, right? We all see the paid ads. And three to five, seven percent, somewhere in there, click on paid ads. So I'm not saying that paid ads don't work because billions of searches, that's a lot of money. However, everyone knows, just like when you see a billboard on the side of the road, that's someone going, patting themselves on the back, hey, I'm awesome. Right? I know if I go to your website, you're gonna say you're awesome. If I go to my website, I'll say I'm awesome. And if you're on the top of a paid ad, that's the same thing. You're just saying you're great. Google doesn't think you're awesome. Google's taking your money. And we all know that on an instinctual human level. And then you have the first organic placement. And again, we know on that instinctual level that Google's trying to give us the best answer that it thinks it has. And that's why it gets about 40% of traffic. And then the second one, right, gets about 20% of traffic. The third one gets about 10%, it falls off from there. And almost no one goes to the second page. What we think is, oh, Google maybe didn't understand me, or maybe there's not a best match. I need to redo my search, right? And so we go and redo it. And that's the thing, like the common joke is where do websites go to die? And it's the second page of Google. And for that very reason. So this is why organic traffic is important. And so I said, well, how can I get my clients onto the first page of Google? And really the answer is being really specific. Right? And this is another reason why it takes time. But Google, again, wants to give the best value. So when someone says, hey, Google, I need emergency hot water tank heater replacement repair in Georgetown, Texas. Right? That's what the type of in the search, emergency hot water tank repair, Georgetown, Texas, right? They're looking for a plumber for now. Google says, one, who's patting themselves on the back and is an authority? And then two, who else is talking about this person and can vouch for them, right? We've seen Google transition from you can stuff a bunch of backlinks into it and it will rank you. And there was that whole debacle and like thousands of pages were blacklisted and banned, right? Because Google doesn't want anyone to figure Google out. But Google's moved to this like social proof model, right? Are you providing value? So there's kind of like a circular diagram that I have and something that I, I do teaching with. And it starts with brand visibility. And this is where I live. So it's, you know, your press releases, your news reports, your blog posts, your video on YouTube, Vimeo, UBC, podcasts, um, infographics, slideshows, all the different types of media. And spoiler, that's what my business does. We create 
you know, seven types of different content and push them out to hundreds of authority sites. So you have Yahoo talking about you and Bloomberg talking about you and MSN and Fox and their affiliates and Google News, right? Everyone's mentioning, hey, check out Stephen, this plumber in Georgetown, Texas, who does hot water tank heater repair. So when Google says, hey, someone's looking for this, who's talking about them? Because, ah, this person, probably because all these authority sites are saying who does it, does a good job in this area, I'll recommend him first. Right? So you have authority-based news that is a thing. Google tracks traffic. So the more traffic you have to your site, it's like Google gives out points for things, right? So Google says, hey, people are going to your site. They're finding value. You're legitimate. So you get a point for that. And then it measures the traffic. We all have Google Analytics. We can tell like people are spending one minute on your page. Maybe it was a bot that screamed through it in those five seconds, or they bounced, or they just immediately clicked out off of it, right? The longer people are on your pages and consuming content and going to your other pages, Google says, that's valuable, right? Because again, their whole goal is to make sure that it's a valuable experience for the user. Google gives you another point. You have a phone number tied to your business. Google's tracking who's calling, right? 70% of the world use Google phones or Android phones, right? Goes to maps. We all have maps on our phone. We don't like to admit it that we're being tracked, but we are. So if you have, you know, a veterinary clinic or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever office that you have and people are going to that, Google goes, hmm, there's value here. People are using this business. This is legitimate. Another point for you. You have social media searches, right? People are looking you up. They're talking about you. You're getting mentioned. That's a point for you. The brand comparison, Stephen versus Scott, right? Who has a better podcast? Who looks better? Obviously, Scott. Like, you look great. I just have this cheesy fire behind me. It's a real fire, but I mean, it's, you know, but right, like Google's saying, like, it is a comparison. And so it's this never ending circle. And the more that you have of all these things, right, it grows and you get more authority, you get more presence, Google rewards you with more traffic because you're providing a better customer experience. And so I like to say that everything traffic, especially follows visibility. And that's why I stay in the third party offsite content, because I want Bloomberg patting me on the back instead of me. Right? They have a 80-something, 90-something authority rating. They say something, Google goes, yeah, absolutely. Whoever they're mentioning and saying that they do this service in this location, they're an expert. Right? And so generally what we see is it takes Google 48 to 72 hours after we do a full distribution of a campaign to change SEO rates. It's that quick. Wow. Wow. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I don't think people put nearly enough time and thought into this. I know I never have. Uh, so... Do you focus on like local businesses where there's like a location so that you're, or is this online as well? Is there a niche you're in? So kind of all of the above, we do have some that don't work very well, like restaurants. I don't take on restaurant clients because that's not how people interact, right? It, you know, maybe one campaign with, you know, the Yahoo Mix stuff, just so that it gives them authority and pushes them a little bit higher on the map pack and stuff, but we're not a good fit for them or, you know, weed dispensaries or adult toys, like these restricted things, guns and stuff, right? That are restricted topics within news platforms and search engines and stuff like that. So we stay away from them, but we can absolutely, we do e-com, you know, we target like Valentine's day, luxury carbon cigar fiber, luxury <laughs> carbon, whatever, right? The cases and stuff like gifts. So we can talk about e-com products and, you know, the benefits or you get super in depth with like, for women, you know, ages 55 and plus anti-aging cream without paraben and whatever, like the things that people type, because we take it from a client perspective slash philosophy of how they interact with the brand and product and what they look for. And that's how we create our content, right? It's but SEO, right? It's SEO, exactly. Yeah. But we really shine for those professional services with that physical location because 99.999% of businesses 
don't market at that hyper local level, but that's how consumers interact with them, right? People are like, I want to be best dentist LA. Newsflash, no one's typing in best dentist LA, right? Like I don't want to drive maybe three hours across the city to get to the best dentist. I want the person in my neighborhood, right? So in big cities, like people search by those neighborhoods. I don't know the, all the LA suburbs, so I'll go to Seattle, right? I'm not typing best dentist Seattle, I'm typing, you know, teeth whitening and magnolia that takes Medicaid. That's how we interact with brands and services. So dumb technical question. Maybe it's not. When a business has a physical address, we all know that it will pop up on the right side of that search engine with a, with a, uh, with a map. And then on the left will be like the first thing, second thing. So is this a different type of first page pop-up strategy or is, is that all involved in what you do? Because if you have a physical location and someone says, Hey, I want a cookie store in Flower Mound, Texas, it's going to click on that map. And I don't know if it clicks the closest, but it's going to be within a proximity. How is it picking who's first on that list? Is that kind of the same kind of operation? It's, it's you're same, same type of stuff, right? All the reviews, the traffic, the everything. Cause again, Google wants to give you the best option. And if I have, so I had a, uh, a client who did women's wellness coaching, right? It was very low competition. And again, like the results vary based on competition, but we ran one campaign based on women's wellness in Bellevue. And she ended up taking like six of the top seven results with Yelp being like number three in there. And she went from non-existent in the map pack to number three in the map pack just immediately. Right. And so that's how it works is that Google, again, just wants to give the best value. And so if they say, well, you know, I have 17 cookie shops, who can I rank? Well, who's got, you know, traffic, who's established, who's got people talking about them. It, it all goes together. So even what people are saying on Facebook matters in Google rankings. It, it's important. It's not as important, but it's important, right? Because again, Google's just gathering everything and saying, who can answer these questions the best? Who can I make sure has the best experience? And so you'll see, like when you type in stuff, if there's not a whole lot of competition, you'll see LinkedIn posts in the Google search. You'll see Facebook links in the Google search because Google's trying to pull and answer your question as best it can. And it even crawls the social medias. So the goal is to send more traffic to your website or your business, ultimately your business, I'm sure. How do podcasts, blog posts, and articles, you kind of you kind of spoke about the articles, but how do blog, blog posts and podcasts help you? It's, I mean, it's all the same, right? Like the same way that news articles and press releases help you. And, you know, you have the headlines and the keywords in there. Same thing with podcasts and the same thing with blog posts that has the headlines, it has the content, it has the body, it has your call to actions and the links and the value of being like, hey, if you're looking for this type of service, you can go here. You mentioned these people. Like it all works together. And even with some podcasts, there's more ways to get it. Like you can actually list your podcast now on IMDb and you can start getting credit for yourself and your guests and all those different, like you can get that in there. So the like content is a total sum game. The more that you can have in various locations, the stronger it is, which is why I don't only do press releases and news articles because it's so much stronger when you, like you add YouTube and Vimeo and UBC and you add Buzzsprout and Podbean and you add SlideShare, like the more various ways that you can say the same thing, the better you are. Cause again, Google doesn't want just, you know, one person pat himself on the back or you, you know, maybe you've coerced another network partner to be like, Hey, check this guy out. He's awesome. But when you have undeniable social proof of 
hundreds of different sites of different types of sites with different types of content all saying the same thing that you walk dogs really well in downtown Florida. I have no idea if it's in downtown Florida, but that you do X, Y, and Z in X location. Google says, yeah, this makes sense. And I'm going to match you up with the people that are searching for that because I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And clearly you're doing something right and you can take care of people. So are there things that you actually have to avoid to, um, not be downranked. I mean, you talked about, you know, you don't do gun shops, you don't do like whatever dispensaries, um, adult stores, those types of things. And we all know that there's some bans based on that stuff already. So, you know, that hurts, but is there other ways that can actually hurt? Having low quality content will hurt you, right? Like what we do, our content varies, right? It's all when we do, you know, teeth whitening and Medina, all the different types of content and stuff is very similar, but it's stated differently and written differently and the headlines are changed enough. So it's separate from the different content pieces, but they all talk about the same types of service and give you the same information. We're very informational, I'm not trying to write, you know, the top 10 ways to keep your teeth clean at night. It's, you know, Joe's dentistry is doing this service for these people. Like here's a little brief history of teeth whitening. Here's this, this is what, you know, a client said about them. This is this thing very boring newsy because I'm not trying to get Yahoo's clients. I'm trying to get Google to say who answers this question, right? So it's written for people, but it's written really for Google. And then same thing, you have a blog post and it's more conversational. Hey, do you have yellow teeth? Cause you drink a lot of wine. Well, guess what? So do a lot of other people and they found that teeth whitening helps. You can see Joe's dentistry does teeth whitening in Medina, blah, 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 right? It's more conversational. It's a different, but it says the exact same thing. Joe does teeth whitening here and he does it a good job. The video is very similar, right? Check out Joe's teeth whitening, X, Y, Z, all the different things. So, but having low quality content, you know, you go to chat GPT and you're like, Hey, check me out. Write me an article about teeth whitening. And you put it up there. Google knows what an AI writes because AIs, when you're doing your own personal blog and you need something or you're doing a Facebook post, sure. Go ahead and use chat GPT, right? Like that's cool. But if you're trying to actually get SEO rankings and you're trying to provide value and content, the content that AI makes is soulless for a better lack of a better word. We all have, I don't know if you've listened to Tony Robbins or the audiences listen to Tony Robbins, but he talks about like the inherent desires that people have, right? The, des- the desires to, you know, the, the revenge thing, like, oh, look at me now. I, you know, I did better. I've, I'm coming back or the, you know, I want to feel loved or I want to feel respected or I want to, you know, feel needed, all these different things. And AI doesn't communicate that way. It takes all this plagiarized stuff and says, here's a good answer for you. And it puts it out there. And Google is very good at recognizing, because it's an AI, it recognizes another AI and says, meh, you're just, you're a hack, right? You're not making anything worthwhile that someone can find on their own anyway. If I'm looking for answers, I don't want to send someone to ChatGPT. I want to send them to a business who's doing well for, you know, their clients and putting out value. Yeah, I think, so you're saying that Google can identify AI writing. Absolutely. So there's... There, there's, there's been a few different SEO companies that jumped on and used ChatGPT for their clients for SEO stuff and immediately saw their SEO rankings tank immediately following the, the AI content for their SEO strategies. In several levels, it makes sense. ChatGTP is undoubtedly owned in part by Microsoft or in whole. I do not know who is, you know, you got Google and then you've got Bing and they're talking about putting ChatGTP right in Bing embedding it 
well, that, if, if that happens, how is that going to affect Google? It's going to be huge. It goes way further though. I mean, this isn't about chat GTP. If you guys don't know what chat TPT is, it's a, a AI writing program. I think just recently it passed the uh, medical board exam um, for a doctor. Uh, I think that was just very recent. Um, you can basically tell it what you want to do and it'll actually do it. But the argument here is that getting using it for SEO is dangerous. And I've actually had keyboard, uh, not arguments, but discourse about this with other folks. I'm like, look, hey, if we think of this from a, stra- a strategic point of view, if Google is the main engine and they're not behind chat TTP, I believe they're going to do whatever they can to keep it from being SEO efficient because it will drive people away from their tools. That's my, that's my conspiracy. That's my tinfoil hat theory. (laughs) I don't think you're wrong. I think there's probably other layers to it, but on a whole, like again, Google wants a human experience. Google behaves in a very human way. Like that's why they've moved to this realm of social proof, right? Are you providing value? Are people going to your site? Are they staying on your site? Are they calling your office? Are they going to your office? Are they buying your product from your e-com store? Are they making appointments on your calendar links? Like Google wants to make sure that you're taken care of and using an AI bot to spit out some bland content is not a great user experience. Right. 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 At the end of the day, like value versus semi-decent value, Google's going to go the value road every time. And ChatGPT just doesn't do it. Now there's some great uses, right? Like, you could have ChatGPT make a avatar for a type of thing and then make like the headlines for writing content for that avatar for like an email campaign. That's great. Like there's various uses that it makes sense and can, you know, do 80% of your work for you. And then you go through and be like, okay, I'm going to tweak this and make it my own. And you know, it gives you a framework, but for making content to be like, I want to rank for my services in these locations and these products, like ChatGPT is not your friend. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, uh, People keep asking me for a list of all the things that a virtual assistant can do. And I'm like, that's like infinite. I don't even like, I don't even know where to start. And they've asked me over and over and over again. And I've actually had my virtual assistants put one together. Um, And so I was like, well, we had this list. I think it was like eight pages long. (laughs) And I knew it wasn't definitive. So there's been this thing on my mind. Oh, I got to do this list. I got to do this list. I'm like, ooh. I'm going to put this in chat, chat DTP. It came up with a hundred bullet points, but I had to work hard to get it to come up with a hundred bullet points. And there was repeats in there. And there was things like what name tasks that a virtual assistant can do virtually. They were like literally saying virtually doing the thing in person. Like, like it was just such a weird virtually greet people at the door of your business. Like what? I'm pretty sure it takes somebody at the counter to like it was they were it was almost like they just took pieces of data and shoved it together and made stuff up. And so I, you know, I saw the the pretty quickly some of the limitations there and people are like, oh, no, you just didn't give it the right prompts. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, so it, it's just real interesting. I'm really glad you brought it up because a lot of people are business owners are saying like, I'm improving my SEO. I'm using chat GPT. I'm writing eight articles a day because and I'm just backlogging this stuff in my, my website and blogs. And, and I'm sitting there going, ah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Not going to help. 
I mean, if you're in okay. like a blue ocean of zero competition and you're the only person putting content out, sure, it could probably help you because no one has content and you're the only person putting something out, even if it's lackluster, right? Again, Google's scraping the bottom of the barrel to find something. And if you are the bottom of the barrel, there you go. But as soon as you have legitimate competition, your AI writing is not going to hold up. All right. Now that we've lost half the audience on AI writing, what you do fascinates me. And it's, it's always, I've always looked at SEO and building your ranking as really monotonous, like not never ending work. Is that really what it is? Or is there a real strategy that makes a big stroke difference? I mean, both, right? Like SEO and content is like building a house, right? So your website, you've, you put the framework up and you put your content on that and all your copy and stuff and you're putting the walls in, you're framing it out and your online third-party organic content that you're putting out, your, your YouTube videos and your podcasts and all other stuff, right? You're, you're showing Google like, hey, I've got renters in this house now. And if you stop putting renters in the house, you stop your content, you leave that alone, Google goes, hey, they moved out, right? And eventually, like, some squatters might move in, someone might take over your website and your website will just drop off or whatever happens, but your website just doesn't tank as soon as you stop making content, but it's like a tree, right? If you have a house plant and you water it every day and it grows and it grows and eventually you leave it alone, your tree doesn't just wither overnight, but eventually it will, you know, start losing leaves and it will eventually die and be replaced by another business who's making content and providing value. And that's all Google wants is to see that you are consistently providing value, whether that's monthly or bi-weekly or every week, whatever it is, as long as you're consistently providing value and Google says, oh, this makes sense. Like they're taking care of their audience and their customers and they are relevant. That's all they want to see. Right? And so that's what we do is we do a monthly subscription plan for people and they can choose if they want it, you know, content once a month or biweekly or every week or every, you know, every three weeks or whatever it is. That's how it works is that we make sure that Google says, yeah, they're relevant. Yeah, they're making sense. Oh, they're expanding their services from teeth whitening to braces and now they're doing dentures and they're serving these other communities. Like it just grows on itself and it becomes this living organism, if you will. I mean, that's the whole point of content marketing is showing Google that you're putting renters in the house, you're watering your plants, you're taking care of your customers and you're providing value. That's good. It's good. I would say what, what percentage of small, medium businesses do you say actually use any SEO strategy? I was going to say, well, you lost me at strategy. It's <laughs> everybody zero or three, three percent. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, SEO, like I'll, you know, get this thing. But as far as like SEO strategy, like they don't, people don't understand, right? I like to say that people get generally get into business by default, not by design. Now you have your plumber who's great at fixing toilets and stuff. It's like, I might as well get a van and, you know, fix all the houses in the neighborhood and people want this. It's a great service. And then two years later, they have like three guys working for them and they've got a fleet of trucks and they're doing their stuff. And they're like, I am lost. Like, I don't know where to go from here. Right? They were in business right. by default. I was really good at this, so I just made this business. What do I do? Or, you know, you're a lawyer and you went to law school. They don't teach you marketing and content and strategy in law school. They teach you how to be a great lawyer. Right? So 90, 95, 100% almost of business owners don't understand how to market effectively and have an SEO strategy. And they understand that SEO is important, right? Like, hey, I want to be seen by Google. I want my clients to find me because people are looking for you, but if they, you know, they're finding your competition, but as far as a strategy, they're like, well, I'll just, you know, hire a office manager. I'll have the girl at the front desk, you know, do my social media and maybe she can make some TikToks and that'll work for my, like the strategy part that you mentioned is I think where it drops off. Everyone understands yeah. that visibility is important and SEO is kind of a dirty word because I think, you know, I'm just going to 
sit on my website and make some blog posts and do metadata and stuff. And it's silly. And they're right. Like the onsite SEO, like there's, you should have Google business profile slash Google my business. You should have optimized for all devices. There's like those little things that are important. But after that, like organic third-party content supersedes it tenfold with speed, authority, everything, cost. Wow. Well, I think probably anybody who's listening to this just learned a lot because I would have never thought that that was higher ranking and more important, but the way you're talking about it, and it's actually putting some puzzle pieces together from some strategies I've learned from um, mastermind groups. They're like, and I'm not going to talk about them here because I don't want you know, like to give away industry secrets, but I don't think they really are, but there are some strategies I've been taught. I'm like, why, why does that make a difference? But everything that you're telling me starts to put all the pieces together. So, but the truth is, can I, can I tell a big I secret time to do it? Also, yeah. big, I don't do any onsite work. I like it's, it's not me. I don't like it. I don't do it. I take a hard line with what I do and don't do, but for an onsite SEO secret, the more specific you can be, the better off you rank. And so if you serve a huge area, right, you make a million pages and each page is this city, this town, this neighborhood, and is specific to that. And you, you know, it's titled in the, the page code of like this, you know, your SEO keyword for this location and these services. I saw this, uh, I think it's a window or gutter company that does it amazing. I forget what they were called. I was doing some competition comparison for another roofing client that I took on. But they, I mean... They're all up and down I-5. I live in the Seattle area, right? I-5 goes north-south from Canada to Mexico. And they, like, were just every... They had millions of pages for each little town and city, an individual and very specific. And so when you have these specifics, that's what Google wants because they know that the more specific you are, the more valuable it is to the client, right? Let's put it another way. The more specific you are, you're seen as a specialist versus a generalist. I'm not looking for a family doctor. I'm looking for a doctor for my wrist pain for my golf injury. Right? And so when you say, hey, I serve these people in this location for this service, and you make it separate from all your other on-site stuff, yeah, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of time, and it's a lot of pages and all that other stuff that goes into it. But if you have that capacity to be specific, that will also help you. Incredibly powerful. And one more thing, too. If you have a bunch of services, right? I know I'm going down the rabbit hole here, and I'm sorry. But... If you can be specific about your services and put those on specific pages and try not to mention them on your other pages, so that page is very specific, like, hey, I'm a catering company, I do, you know, desserts and dinners and buffets. Like, generally mention your catering service, but make the buffets its own page. Make the, like, desserts its own thing. Make, like, if you can break it out separately and only talk about it to the, you know, super specific details on that one page, it will rank better because it's a specialist page. So that's your on-site mic drop for people who you know want to do stuff. I give my websites a, a 0.01% score out of 100. <laughs> for everything you talked about, all of it's wrong. Um, but anyway, this has been absolutely fascinating. I took away a ton of things. One is if I want to do any of this, I'm hiring you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm not going to go do it myself. <laughs> and I think, that's a, I think that's the biggest takeaway is find someone who's going to get the results and and you talk about you know being specific about your service in your area for seo but as a business owner i think we need to be searching for that person who's very specific in the area for our needs instead of trying to be a jack of all trades stick within your zone of genius which is probably not doing seo strategy 
or, you know, and that's, that's the one thing that I, I warn a lot of business owners. It's like, do what you should be doing and offload all of the rest. So, um, how do people find you, Steven? Yeah. So I'll drop my personal email here for you because it goes, I, I see it goes my phone. So it's the number one. And then my first and last name, Stephen Lentz at gmail.com. But you can also go to ocelottraffic.com. That's my business website. So it's O-C-E-L-O-T-T-R-A-F-F-I-C, ocelottraffic.com. And yep, it's those both go to me. There's a scheduling calendar link on Ocelot's page there that you can, you know, request a time and we'll, we'll talk digital marketing and what we can do for you. Um, you can buy our premium services off the rack there, but if you want, you know, a custom thing or anything like that, book a thing and we'll, we'll work with you and make a plan that fits your business. Right? We don't just offer our premium price, but that's what's on the website. So you're like, ah, that's a little steep for me. I totally get it. We have other options to get you where you need to be. It's really cool. Um, and you guys can check those out in the show notes, et cetera, et cetera. So do that. And uh, I'm actually really curious. <laughs> so we'll have a little conversation after this. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Steven, thank you so much for dropping some really cool value around website, SEO, uh, general Google SEO, which is mind boggling and very cool to me to hear about. And your journey as a firefighter from, you know, picking up grandmas to, to uh, up business, sling an SEO. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate it. And everyone else, thank you for putting up with me. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the Stories That Sell podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week.